Welcome to another episode of HUGE, everything you need to know about big changes in Washington. I'm Kristen Silverberg, and joining me today to discuss his views on some important issues in U.S. policy is Mark Weinberger, Global Chairman and CEO of EY. Prior to his time at EY, Mark held a number of U.S. government and policy positions, including Assistant Secretary of Treasury, focused on tax policy in the George W. Bush administration. We're taping today from the IAF Washington Policy Summit, where we're hearing from dozens of public and private sector officials discussing a variety of topics, including the Federal Reserve under new leadership, financial regulation, and trade policy. Videos of the panels can be found on the IAF website. Mark, thank you for joining. Always a pleasure. Before we dig into U.S. policy, let's talk a bit about the global growth outlook. Growth was remarkably synchronized in 2017, but that could be coming to an end. Our own IAF view is that headline global growth will be higher in 2018 and 2019, but the growth will be less synchronized in part because of trade tensions. What's your view of how 2018 and 2019 are shaping up? Well, as you said, I think we're, what we've seen is actually for the last two years, 2017 and so far in 2018, the synchronized growth is, is an anomaly over the last 10 years. I mean, we've, we haven't had growth like this, this synchronized for, for that long. And uh, when I was in Davos, um, it was clear that the optimism this year was in great contradiction to how people felt last year going into, you know, Brexit and, and uh, Donald Trump coming in as a new president's never been in office and the elections across Germany, everywhere else were big uncertainties. The, the underlying economics, what we see around the world, are very strong. And the two biggest economies, the United States and, and China, continue to outperform. And so I think we'll, we'll see that through 2018. Uh, China had another strong quarter of 6.8% growth. Uh, and you're seeing Europe, even with Brexit, really uh, outperform where they've been. The ECB is holding fast so far um, on, on their monetary policy. That'll be a big question mark. Uh, but bottom line, I would say, in, in answer to your question, the fundamentals are strong. Uh, businesses have restructured. The financial system is more stable. We are, are seeing um, inflation not being uh, too out of hand anywhere in the world, yet monetary policy is still pretty accommodative. Uh, and consumer confidence and business investment are high. Uh, in the U.S. in particular, the Business Roundtable uh, had the highest and most optimistic uh, results that we've seen to date in our, uh, when we go out and ask them how, how they expect the economy to perform over the next 12 months. And so I think all those things pretend to be a still strong economic uh, results without, uh, without, certainly not without risk. And, and to go to the topic of the Washington Policy Summit today, what's your view of how Trump administration policy is contributing to that growth picture? How do you see the administration's economic policy evolving? So, well, it's a great question uh, on evolving. We, we don't know, but to date so far, I think the deregulation that we've seen has been a big positive and constantly mentioned by business as uh, a pro-growth uh, environment. Uh, also, the tax cut, 75% of businesses have increased their uh, profit uh, projections, which is, um, you know, at first ever to be that many and that high. Uh, and the liquidity that will come into the market. I think we'll see more M&A as a result of that. I think we'll see uh, more investment in, in, in equipment, as we've seen, with a 6.5% increase in investment in capital expenditure, the highest we've had in, in, in certainly in the last 10 years. And, uh, and, and hopefully in worker training. We've seen a lot of money being put back into wages and bonuses and things like that, which should improve productivity. So I think the environment that's been created is very positive in that regard. I do think, you know, some of the newer issues around trade and whether or not 
the tariffs, uh, proposed tariffs will turn into a trade war is, is slowing down some of that. But I will, will tell you, from the businesses that we work with on a daily basis, the foreign investment into the United States is stacking up uh, at, a, at a really high level. And they're waiting to get some clarity on some of the things in the tax bill. But, uh, and the U.S. investment is, is very strong. So I think the policy environment today is, is rich. Uh, certainly some of the uncertainty created by the trade issues and, and the geopolitical issues like North, uh, North Korea uh, and Syria and other places is a little bit of a damper on that. So let's take those up in turn. You were obviously very involved in the tax mm -hmm. bill debate. Um, one topic that's come up a lot today, including in the panel you just negotiated with some leading economists, is the impact on the long-term debt picture. So what's your view about whether the U.S. fiscal position is sustainable? So I think the, the tax bill was a landmark tax bill as much for the structural changes that it's made, and, and that's what will cause more and more capital to come to the United States, which will help the economy grow, which is obviously very positive for the longer-term fiscal picture. Um, and what, what I mean by that, it's a lower rate, it's the expensing, and it's the uh, the territorial-like system that makes the U.S. now a competitive place to put capital in. As I said moments ago, we're going to see foreign capital coming in, and on the margin, U.S. capital that may have gone overseas be invested here. That will all help to grow the economy. Uh, the the cost of the tax bill, you know, varies from anywhere from 1.5 trillion over this 10-year period, period, or some would say that the um, it could completely pay for itself, and then there's many in between. My guess is there is a cost in the short term as the deficit goes up. Uh, I'm also on the board of the Concord Coalition, and so I'm a deficit hawk. But I think the, uh, if you look uh, on an annual basis, if this is 75 to $100 billion a year in additional cost in the short term, to pay in a $20 trillion economy, to pay for the structural changes is a very worthwhile investment. And, uh, and I think that the key now will be business reinvesting that in productivity, uh, meaning capital equipment and workers, which would cause the GDP to grow, which would help our sustainable long-term fiscal picture. But there is no doubt, in the long term, the issue is, is increased spending on automatic pilot spending, like entitlement programs and interest on the debt, which are 70 cents of every dollar the federal government gets. And uh, we have to tackle that. Otherwise, as interest rates start to go up, we're going to see more and more federal expenditures. The deficit will become higher and crowd out private investment. And, and that would not be a good thing. So we, we can't take our eye off the long-term deficit issues. You mentioned that there are a lot of issues around the implementation of the tax bill, including some of the questions um, on foreign business operating subsidiaries in the U.S. Any thoughts about how Treasury will navigate those questions? Sure. So this is a big issue because while the tax bill is passed, obviously it was done in relatively short order and, and legislation can't take into account everything that the regulators have to in interpreting the rules. And so a lot of unanswered questions about how businesses will apply those rules. And, and the Treasury has set out a priority list to look at the uh, first the uh, transition tax to the new system, and they've gotten a bunch of priority out on that, uh, of guidance out on that already. And then they're going to move towards the international provisions and the interest deductibility and, and other, other provisions in the, in the tax bill. Uh, there clearly are going to be uh, businesses who are going to restructure their supply chains based upon the new rules. And just in terms of how these international rules apply, how the interest uh, deductibility, which is a new concept in the code where you lose your interest deductibility for certain interest payments, where you set up your debt, um, the marginal uh, tax rates will be different now relative in the U.S. to other countries. So I think all of that um, is, is, is waiting to get some interpretation from these rules from the IRS and Treasury. So the, 
quicker the better. And uh, I know um, from, from talking to the people at Treasury and the IRS, they are trying to get this out as quick as possible. And we'll probably see some proposed guidance, ability to, con to uh, then comment on that and then move to final guidance. And that will accelerate this investment. As you know, Naomi Rao, who heads OIRA, was here this morning and she walked through the Trump administration's very robust deregulatory agenda. Obviously, they've hit a lot of the low-hanging fruit. Do you have some thoughts about where they ought to put their efforts going forward? Where's there some bang for the buck in terms of deregulation? Well, as you said, because I, 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 I think they've really done a good job of hitting the low-hanging fruit and, and, and getting these Treasury and IRS rules out quickly. Um, now you have a new step that hasn't been there since 1983. There was just a joint agreement that OIRA will review tax, uh, tax regulations, and hopefully that will be on an expedited basis. But that is something that will be very important to focus on. And then, you know, continuing to just look at uh, the rules and, and not even so much uh, the regulations having to go away, but sometimes how are they enforced and applied and, and getting the right personnel and the right offices, getting staffed up will be really important to oversee um, how these rules are applied. We've seen lots of changes in the financial uh, sector for at the Federal Reserve, obviously new people, and you know this better than anybody. Um, it's it's it, it makes a difference in, in how these rules are applied, and I think that's got to continue to happen. Uh, I I would say uh, the deregulation um, w in the energy area is going to be important as well, um, as well as in in the infrastructure area. Those are kind of the places that I think she mentioned they they would also be continuing to focus on. Uh, but I think we've heard several times, including at my lunch panel, the federal government alone can't do it. A lot of these regulations are state uh, and local regulations, and, and there's got to be a real push to get them on board and to start to remove the regulations at that level. And I hope the administration would help focus and pull that together. I was interested by her comments that she would like to bring independent agencies under the purview of OIRA. You know, she said that before, and it's not getting as much attention as I think it should. If they actually do that, that would be enormously consequential. It would be very consequential. So as you as you pointed out, this is certainly been an active couple of months on trade. We have the 232 announcements on steel and aluminum, the 301 announcement on Chinese IP, the ongoing NAFTA negotiations, the president's willingness to consider re-entering TPP. Today, maybe not tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so where is all this headed? How do you assess the prospect of increased trade tensions with China? Where do you think, how do you think this is going to play out going forward? Well, you know, again, I, I think what you really have to focus on is is what gets done, not necessarily what is said, because we don't know with this with the president or with any administration what is negotiating tactics and what is an end game. And I think the real question now is, is obviously the biggest fear, and in the panel I just led with the, the economists that you referenced to, one of the biggest fears is uh, is a trade war and, and an unknown about what, what that may mean for global growth and, and here and certainly for investment in the United States. I, you know, I was had the benefit of sitting on the, um, the President Trump's uh, task force or advisory panel before we disbanded, and I got to hear his views on, on trade directly, and I really do believe he is for uh, fundamentally fair trade deals and is trying to negotiate to get to a fairer um, uh, place. And, and the real question then is how do you do it, and the method he's chosen is tariffs, and many people would say that's not the best method. But, you know, the question will be will that bring everyone to the table? And uh, we're starting to see some progress is what we're hearing on uh, NAFTA. We're starting to see progress uh, on Chorus with, with Korea. 
Um, and so what my, the way I look at it is I think we've done a good, a good job, this administration has in the business community, everyone, of getting the attention of everyone saying we need to update the deals to make them fair, and including with China in the 301 space. They seem to be coming back to the table. Um, but, uh, you know, we, you've got to now move from pivoting from uh, the disruption to actually getting the deals done. And that's going to be the real question. How do you close them? And so over the coming months, we've got some really big uh, deals in front of us with NAFTA and Chorus, and then ultimately how we deal with China. Um, so bottom line, I think everyone agrees with the objective and understands that the, even with China, that we need to open the markets there more to U.S. businesses uh, and, and update our deals. The real question is going to be, how do we get to an agreement? And uh, I think that's what everyone's hoping for and watching. I want to close with that question I asked you last year, which is, what else are you watching around the world? So what is worrying you? What's keeping you up at night? Which global events are you following closely? So, yeah, it's a great question. And, and, and really the biggest uh, topic on, on most of our minds, in addition to the, all the geopolitical issues we have to follow, is, is all this technology change. And, and what does it mean to our workforce? You know, at EY today, we have a quarter of a million people. We hire 65,000 people. We need different skill sets. We need data scientists now. We need engineers in addition to our tax and audit and M&A folks. So how do you get them and skill them up? Uh, we have uh, 1,700 robots at EY. And, and how do you work, have our technology work with our people? Our clients are changing. Their business models are changing. Uh, industries are converging, as we're seeing all the time. Uh, new players are coming on. And so really keeping abreast a of, of what's going on across Cross sectors in the business world and how technology is influencing change, we need to be at the forefront of that. You know, we're in 157 countries with you know working across all the industries, and and uh, that is exciting, but but uh, unnerving at the same time with the speed of change that we're seeing. So a lot of focus on that. Well, great insightful answers as always. So thanks so much for being here. My pleasure. Thank you.